Welcome back to the 5-0 Fierce and Fit podcast in 2024. My name is Monica Crawford. I am the owner of 5-0 Fierce and Fit. I create online nutrition and fitness programs for female first responders. But I'm here as a podcast host to help share as many resources as possible to you as a female first responder so that you can thrive in your life and in your career. Today, I have two amazing women on the podcast who are current or former law enforcement officers with the Dallas Police Department who are here to talk about navigating motherhood as a first responder. This is an ever-challenging and ever-growing topic within first responder fields, especially from the law enforcement standpoint of things, which is the perspective we will be providing. However, I hope this applies to also fire and EMS professionals as well. Now, a disclaimer I would like to talk about before we get into it is we recorded this podcast and in the next couple days, some shit hit the fan within the Dallas Police Department and it was brought to their attention that three women who are currently pregnant were working patrol assignments because they were afraid to go to light duty because they were going to get reassigned, which meant for them changing their work schedule. And the issue with that was having pre-existing childcare arrangements with other children in the home and messing that entire schedule up to go to light duty. So instead, these women thought the lesser of two evils was staying on patrol, which is obviously danger, can be dangerous to mom and baby. So since then, um, one of these women, uh, Jennifer and Kimberly both, um, have been working to help remedy the situation. But um, they asked me to talk about that before listening into some of their tips in in this episode. So we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And I hope this episode empowers you to stand up for what you need, to ask for the resources that you need um, as a female first responder to be able to do your job to the best of your ability. So without further ado, listen in. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Fierce and Fit podcast. My name is Monica Crawford, owner of 50 Fierce and Fit. And today I brought together two awesome ladies to talk to everyone and share their experiences with being a first responder and also being a mother on the job. We I see so many questions, um, different topics on Facebook and within my coaching clients about pregnancy and kids and mom guilt and things like that. And I wanted to bring on two experts to <laughs> talk about it. So without further ado, I'll let you each introduce yourself. Um, let's start with Kimberly. Hello, Kimberly Stratman. I am actually retired from the Dallas Police Department. I was there for 30 years and I had both of my children while I was troll officer and then raised them um, through a divorce, which comes into play with raising children and the job, um, but did that. And they are now 29 and 31. So having children was a huge part of my, of my life and of my career. 
Awesome. Jennifer? Hello. Um, my name is Jennifer Atherton. I've uh, been a police officer with Dallas for almost 25 years now. Um, I recently, just about a year ago, along with some other ladies, uh, founded and started a women's police association. Um, let's see, like Kimberly, I had, well, I just had one on the job. I started in the academy with a two-year-old and I was a single mom. His dad had, was deceased and, and was deceased at that time. Um, so that was an interesting thing. And then um, I had my daughter after a few years on, I was still a rookie. So, yeah. And uh, the only thing I'm an expert at of all the things you mentioned is the mom guilt. <laughs> so just, just saying. All right. Well, we'll get into that. Um, I'm going to throw a couple topics out and I'm just going to let you two speak to your experience in it or what you feel is pertinent for women coming up in the first responder and law enforcement fields and kind of just mediate the whole thing. So could be you two discussing most of it. So I might have some questions though that might represent, I don't know, maybe people more new to motherhood. So um, let's start with, you said, I think both of you said you had kids while you were on like active law enforcement, right? Um, so what was that like for you being pregnant while being on patrol? Kimberly, um, you want to start first since you yeah. had yours? <laughs> yeah, I'll go first because mine are older than than yours. And there um there is some progression in law enforcement and 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 being pregnant. And then there's some things that haven't. I do want to go on record though of saying that working for the Dallas Police Department. We had complete and total safety and coverage of being pregnant. We did not have to work the streets. We did not have to wear a uniform. We were not going to get fired if we couldn't do a patrol job. Um, as a matter of fact, it was devastating to me to be removed from the streets um, when I told them I was pregnant. And then I realized, why would a pregnant woman want to be out um, answering calls? And I can actually give you an example of that in my own life. But um, as soon as I brought the doctor's note in, I was off the streets. And I know from other people, as soon as they went to their supervisor and said, hey, I think I'm pregnant, they then worked the station or whatever, not in uniform, not out um, and in patrol. With my second baby, my babies are um, almost exactly two years apart. So um, with my first baby, I went down to communications and I learned how to answer 911 calls, which was pure hell. Um, I mean, that was like, I don't know how those, those people do it. That was just crazy, but I actually started dispatching and I loved that because I felt like I was really doing police work when I was dispatching. Um, and the, and the officers liked it too, because they knew they had a police officer on the other, other side of the radio. But on my second son, I decided I wasn't going to tell them I was going to try to stay on the streets a little bit longer. My very first call, I was a cover element. So there was three of us on a, a front porch um, in Arcadia Park, fighting with a guy with a gun. First call, very first call. And then the what ended up being my last call that night was me and my partner, we were coming up on a big collision that the officers were already there. And we pulled up and I was supposed to put the flare line out because we had very particular ways to have to put your flare line out, right? Jennifer, you know that. It had to be a certain way. So I'm putting the flares out and all of a sudden I hear this screening of the vehicle and brakes and people 
and this car is coming right towards me. I had to jump up on the back of the squad car, fall over the side of it without falling into oncoming traffic the other way. And I looked at my partner and I said, take me back to the station. I'm pregnant. And the big joke was, well, you didn't get pregnant like that. So what happened, you know? And <laughs> But um, I was like, take me back. I'm pregnant. I can't do this, you know? And I just was like, I'm not putting my baby into this position. And I'll be honest, what it comes down to in your first trimester is if you get hurt, you can't take any pain meds or have any medication or stuff because it'll affect, you know, your baby. But so that was my experience. And I was promptly shipped back to communications, um, made the best of it, just, just made the best of it. Yeah. So when I was uh, pregnant with Annie, I was uh, working deep nights, which is overnight shift at a uh, Southwest substation. Uh, That's where so, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and like she said, back then, as soon as you told a supervisor or whoever that you were pregnant, um, they took you off the streets immediately. Now, these days, I, I mean, I'm not an attorney. Clearly, let me clarify that because I'm going to be spouting off a whole bunch of crap later. I am not an attorney. <laughs> I'm just learning a bunch of stuff as, as uh, especially with the association stuff. But you, you do have the right to choose. You don't have to. They cannot force you off the street. Um, so and now Dallas, I don't believe it. To my knowledge, we don't have maternity type outfits, but I know like talked to some women in uh, L.A., they have maternity outfits that they kind of share. They pass down to each other uh, maternity, sorry, outfits, uh, patrol <laughs> duty gear that they pass on. Uh, so because so if, if they choose to work the streets, they work the streets. I mean, technically, it, sh it, it is that way also in Dallas. I don't know of anybody that's done that, but um you know, and I, a lot of, I hear a lot about smaller departments, especially when there's one female in the whole department or the whole, you know, or just a few females when they get pregnant, um, they worried about being, they worry about being fired because there are no light duty positions and they want to be light duty. Obviously there's a lot of laws to protect them. So I just to get that out there, make sure nobody thinks they can legally get fired for becoming pregnant on any job. Uh, so but there's a lot of protections out there. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I guess it's it's like Kimberly said, I, I wouldn't do it, but I, you know, it's each person's choice. I know some that went as far as they could until they couldn't fit that duty belt on anymore. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. There you go with the mom guilt again, right? You always worry about something happening and, and how guilty you would feel and, and, and all that stuff. So. Jennifer, you mentioned a couple important things and that is the women now have the protection but 30 years ago, they didn't have the yeah. protection and yeah. you would be fired. And I don't know when that has changed, but it actually wasn't that far back. Yeah. And remember these departments that don't have civil service, they, you're pregnant. They come in and say, Hey, you know, that call you did three weeks ago, well, you violated all these procedures and you're gone. And it had nothing to do with the call. It's because you're, you're pregnant and you right. didn't have, I understand. Yeah. I, I understand the fear of course. And, um, but just saying, legally speaking, yeah. there, would, there, there should be or there could be issues if you get fired. Well, after some, of the things, some of the things actually do make a little bit of sense, though. Like if you work for a place that you have to qualify within X amount of time to carry your weapon and you haven't qualified during the, the time period and then you become pregnant, 
you know, there are some um, places that do not want you on the line. They don't want you anywhere around. A I don't think they range. have a choice. I don't think they yeah, have they a don't, choice. They don't want you around a pistol range because of the lead poisoning and all the rest of the stuff like that. And I think this is where the mom guilt part comes in because for me personally, I, I would never try to guilt a mom into anything, but I would say if you can't leave a fun job like patrol for nine months to have your baby, you're going to have a rough time being a parent because you are really going to struggle with what you're going to have to put up with later and what you're going to have to let go of. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere near the range when I was pregnant. You know, I wonder if, I wonder if these smaller departments, if they don't have the light duty that like that we have, like you said, Dallas is great with that. We've got a lot of spots for light duty, even, you know, not even pregnancy related, just, um, I wonder if that is one of the issues or, why some departments even in LA I don't know I have to look into that I'm curious if that's yeah. why people want to stay on the street because yeah right because they want to lose their jobs they they, they don't yeah. want to lose their jobs oh, yeah. I'm look at that. <laughs> that brings up a question though that I had too because I had a conversation with somebody um here in Oklahoma a few months back that her department she can't she ran into some hang-up with FMLA leave so Jennifer do you know about any like guarantees as far as FMLA goes when you're taking off to have your baby um, and then after of what like should be protected under that? Uh, like if I'm not mistaken, it's 12, you get 12 weeks uh, out of a year. So you have protected FMLA leave. So maybe, you know, if I've had situations where somebody's had a baby and taken all their FMLA leave and ended up maybe having knee surgery or needing some sort of something like that within that same year and they weren't able to get fmla leave for their surgery kind of like that so i guess if if you did if something you used it before you got pregnant that might become an issue that's interesting i hadn't thought of that way so i, I wonder if i know that there is still protections under other laws there's a lot of laws that protect pregnant workers most recently the pregnant workers fairness act um yeah I'll, I'll look into that i'm curious it could be that they have to go without pay yeah. for that time period i'm so not sure I am, yeah i think I, what it was just she ran into where they, they weren't paying her and then something happened where they enacted it where she only got paid for like two weeks but then they put it in place I, for like everybody else after her yeah for fmla they don't have to pay you unless you have a bank unless you have vacation time, sick time, all that, you can go on FMLA leave without pay. You can be guaranteed your job back, the same job that you had before, similar, um, but they don't have to pay you on FMLA leave unless if you've used all of your time, your bank time. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So like with me, um, I was married to the boy's dad and he was employed by the city of Dallas also. So we got 12 weeks total time off of FMLA. Um, I had been on a couple years. He had been on seven years or so when our first son was born. So he had a ton of sick leave. He didn't even go out on FMLA. He just took sick leave. He just took time off, a couple weeks off. I, though, only used six weeks. Um, I had an emergency C-section with my first son. I was very sick. Um, but I went back after six weeks and this is why I say Dallas is so good because I went back to communications and I worked probably four more weeks before I went back out. And remember, I was a patrol officer. 
And I think these women are freaking awesome that pop these kids out and go right back to their jobs, right? I, I could barely out of a car. At six weeks, I'm still push, you know, lifting myself up out of the car to get out. I'd lost all my weight. I worked out my whole entire pregnancy. I was working out by this point. I was doing everything, but I still had, you know, my stomach cut open. And um, I went back probably four more weeks in communications, full pay, full benefits, everything. So the, but the FMLA only guaranteed that with a doctor's note that I would be given the time off. If I didn't have vacation or sick or comp time, it would have been leave without pay. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, most larger cities, and this is where we're more fortunate than smaller cities, we have other things that could happen after you go past your 12 weeks of FMLA. And I had that happen with several of my officers um, their illness or whatever was going on for them took them out longer than that. And that just has to be approved the chain of command for more time off. I honestly, just in my own experience, I never had myself or one of my um, employees ever have um, trouble with the FMLA and getting the time off. Yeah. So um, now where they're working while they're on light duty, I know that is often um, a problem. <laughs> Since we're, we turned this into a recruiting video for Dallas, we, I should add, yes. <laughs> we're, yes. we're hiring. Uh, secondly, we now have, through just the city of Dallas, six weeks of paid leave for having a baby, adopting, uh, fostering, that kind of thing. It's fantastic. Which makes me want to have another baby. Right. No. <laughs> cool. All right. Helpful stuff. I like it. I like where we're going so far. Um, so we're talking about pregnancy and going back to work. Um, anything that comes to mind as far as tips as as like the postpartum of like the first couple months, um, healing the body, healing the mind, making sure you're ready to go back to patrol work. And then also like the considerations of childcare and what that looks like moving forward. Well, I, I jumped right back into patrol, um, but I had to be on bed rest for three months, the last three months of my pregnancy. So I was so ready to go back. Um, fortunately, like I was talking about, the uh, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act includes um, uh, postpartum depression as um, they have their protections in there for that. So, you know, times have changed. That law is fairly new as far as laws go. A lot of people totally unaware, uh, but it covers stuff like that which is fantastic as far as protections for your job and accommodations. Now, one thing I will add that I've learned, like I said, not an attorney, but what I've learned from attorneys and, and, and going through what I've been helping other women is uh, accommodations and the legal protections behind them is one thing. You have got to know how to ask for them. You've got to, first of all, ask. You've got to say in the right way to the right people, um, if it's just your sergeant that or your supervisor that doesn't know what the hell they're doing anyway, and you're like, hey, I need this accommodation because this, this, and this, you you may get ignored. You need to go to either HR or the people that can do something, put it in writing, and ask a very specific way and detail what you want. And, and um, like even pumping milk, lactation comes to mind, right? Um, when you ask for certain accommodations, like if you're at a place with no no place that is dedicated for, for pumping breast milk. Um, and you, a lot of times, especially younger, especially female officers, I mean, we'll go out there and arrest 
bad guys all day long and be assertive and aggressive or bitchy, whatever, right? We're so we're so tough. And then when we but when we ask the department for something, we're often, oh, I hey, I need to pump. Is there a place? Is like, well, here's this disgusting room. That's not what they say, right? Well, here's a room that doesn't have a lot of this and this and this. Is that is that okay with you? Is that gonna be okay? And if you're like, yeah, that's okay. You've just agreed that accommodation. Uh, and it's hard to get around that. So you've got to be able to say, no, this is not appropriate. Research the laws. If you're going to go in and ask for something, you know, Google is amazing. There's a lot of, I know there's a lot of misinformation, but, you know, go to these sites that actually have reputable sources and, and ask people. You can always ask somebody who knows. Um, and I have found that a through this association thing and, and needing to be able to give the right advice. Um, I've been surprised at how many attorneys, if you call and just ask for even a consultation that they're willing to talk to you about this stuff. And of course, uh, the lady law shield in Texas is fantastic. She's awesome. And there's a lot of resources out there for us now, fortunately. Sorry, I just went on a whole tangent, but. No, but Jennifer, I want to like really give um, you and these younger officers huge, huge credit because I nursed both my babies until I went back to work. There's not a chance in hell I would have asked somebody for a place. I didn't either. Because I knew there wasn't any place. And the women, maybe some of the detectives who were already out of uniform could go back and they were like in headquarters, for goodness sake, headquarters, this beautiful new building. Mm -hmm. And these women are in the bathroom pumping the milk that they're going to feed their babies. That's, you you know, know. that's how we got our first lactation room at headquarters. I, I was griping on the the, the DPA page, association Facebook page about, it's like, I'm not complaining about having to go to the bathroom and hearing the pump and seeing the hangers hang out you know, with the, the electric cords, right? I'm like, but there are empty rooms all over headquarters. What are we doing? How is this? It, it, that was like 2014 or something. And, uh, and a, a male lieutenant stepped up and said, hey, we got an empty room. What do we need to do? And the DPA furnished it. And that's how we got our first uh, room at headquarters. But it's like, why isn't it? No, I, I didn't want to. I, I think it's because a lot of these, obviously, moms are younger, right? And and that means probably newer uh, to the profession. And like you said, when I was, I'd had a couple of years on when I had Annie, I went right back to patrol. No, I was done because I knew, I knew there was no way I would have to go sit in the back. And then, I mean, at that point, when I had especially male partners, I was afraid of being left at the 7-Eleven if I had to run into that gross place to, to use the restroom because yeah. some hall would come and they'd take off. So I was super fast. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to keep up my my all important <laughs> reputation right back then and uh, and stop working to do this. That was yeah. how that's just how it was. But I think also the mindset of being younger and being scared of how people are going to perceive you, I guess, but hopefully that's changing some. Well, even going in, so I went, when I went back to patrol, I went right back into in, to my same uniform. And Monica, you and I've talked about this before. It was very important to me that I was the same size. You know, I wasn't shaped the same, right? It wasn't shaped the same. I saw a picture of the day that had that little belly after you have a baby, you know, but let's face it, your vest doesn't fit the same. Even if you have not nursed for a couple of weeks, your vest doesn't fit the same. And I was in such pain 
was in such pain, but I knew if I went, okay, that's not an accurate statement. I believed that if I went to the quartermaster and said, I need a bigger vest because, you know, I'm just not back to normal yet. It would have been like, what? You're going to cost the Dallas Police Department money because your boobs are still swollen and so I, What's I don't think you would have gotten it. Yeah, I don't think you would yeah. have. No, I don't think I would have. Now, I have to, I do want to say that I was never treated poorly by the actual staff of our quartermaster. They were always wonderful, wonderful. So I don't want anybody to hear this and everything um, that they, but the policies, I believed I would not have gotten a vest, mm. you know, so um yeah, and and then I'll tell you what, it's like, even though I loved the job and I loved going back to work and stuff like that, the first time, so my ex-husband got the call and I was the cover and an 11-year-old boy killed a man in a station wagon in an alley, one street north of Poinsettia. And um, I was just looking at the clock and it's hitting midnight and I'm like, I got to go. Yeah, I have to go because my baby's been at the babysitter since 3.30 and I have to go. I had never left her. I always grabbed up overtime. I loved working. I love, I mean, heck, this was a good call, right? And uh, it was miserable for me because I ended up working several hours overtime. And as I'm dry, and the, our babysitter was a gang officer's wife. So she totally, no, patrol officer's wife at this point, totally understood it. As I'm driving to get the baby, I'm crying, mm. crying crying because it's okay to be away from your baby for your eight hour shift but man you can't go one minute over that and it it was hard I mean mentally it was I was the worst mother around oh yeah I remember <laughs> just it was the worst when like I had just a, at one point regular daycare um and would be a few minutes late and they act like that they're going to call cps you know if they got through those lists they're charging you 20 dollars for every second you're late it was horrible your kids crying why you, know, you forgot about me it's like <laughs> no but yeah it's tough it's tough uh, and yeah. you see all these you see all these fuck-ups out there right who were trying to fix their lives and we're like, well, I'm making the same thing in my family. You know, my baby's been without me for an extra 30 minutes. So clearly uh, yeah. police are going to be at his house all the time when he gets older. <laughs> right. You know, he's going to drop out of school and start stealing cars and selling dope and shooting people. <laughs> Mommy's at work. So this kind of leads into a question that um, someone commented that they wanted to ask. And it was more of like, how do I juggle time with being like versus being at work and being with the kids like how do I manage time between the two I think is what she meant you're gonna screw up your kid no matter what <laughs> let's just get that out there okay it's your fault especially as the mother it's just your fault everything everything is your fault you did something wrong when they were in the womb you you do something you do things wrong I mean you do things wrong for real and then everything else is also your fault but uh that helps me a lot sometimes to put it into perspective when I start feeling guilty about regular things. It's not, it's not like we're the only working parents, right? Uh, the cops, like there's a lot of working parents, working moms. Um, even there's some really crappy not working moms that stay at home. I don't know. I think I may have damaged my children worse if I were like a stay at home mom. I can't even imagine. Um, 
I mean, you have to, you have to figure all that out for yourself and what's good for you and your kid. And, and, you know, as they say, quality time. And I think the big thing, especially with police work, especially as most parents are when they're, when their kids are young, younger people, you cannot get, as we say, I don't know what they say in other departments, ate up uh, with this job for a lot of reasons, you know, um, because it will take over your personal time with or without your kid. Um, it will consume you if you let it, you know, it, and it's, it's so simple to say, just leave it at work. And we know that, that these days that doesn't work that way. That's why we have the counseling and the therapy and, and people are starting to be aware of, of all that a lot more because that's, <laughs> that advice is stupid. It's just kind of like, be yourself. Right. <laughs> Am I right? So you can't just leave it at work. That's literally impossible to, you can't just take it. It's not like you're taking off your vest and just leave it at work. It doesn't work that way. So you, you really have to figure that out. I think for yourself, if you need help counseling with that, if you find yourself too involved, but I think that's a huge thing, at least with first responders, um, is still being in your head at work or dealing with work things when you're at home. I always love going to work. And so there are people, I think that that bothered. I think some of our civilian people, it bothered them that I loved my job so much. Um, and there's always people who wanted to say, oh my God, you have children? How could you do that to them? How could you do that to your children? How could you be a police officer to you know, how could you do that to your children? And then um, I had to deal with the fact that my children, it's funny because of me, their dad and their stepdad, um, police officer, SWAT officer, like they're the big badass police officers, right? And I'm just mom. I'm just mom. I was involved in more car chases. I was involved in the shooting. I had all the rest of the stuff, but I was just mom, right? So I was always trying to reconcile what my children needed me to be and then what I needed to be. But it, it you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are times that it is hard. There are times it is very, very, very hard. You can go to work and come home every day after all these terrible things have happened, but there will be something one day that happens that when you walk in that door, your whole world has changed. In my case, it was I won't even go into the details of it, but it was a really, really, really bad call. And I, at that moment, I could not be the mom that I needed to be. I couldn't. And I'm just, I just thank God that their father was home and could take care of them. I just, I couldn't, I could not be their mother. And I had to just go stand in the kitchen. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? But I could not you feel guilty about that, but imagine, Everything. but imagine if you push through that and you, I mean, in that state, it would have probably been way worse than, than oh, just yeah. secluding yourself. Right. Without a doubt. And then, um, so when, um, the time, um, that, uh, this woman ended up getting my partner's gun and we fought for seven minutes and she knocked my tooth out and stuff. The, um, when I got up, the very first thing I said was, Oh my God, I'm, uh, you know, my baby, I'm planning their party. They turned two. What, what, how did this, you know, that's all I kept saying is, oh my God, my kids, you know, and there's like blood everywhere. My hair's pulled. My, it's just, it's just, it was really bad. And later, some of the officers are like, she almost shot you in the head. 
and all you were worried about was your kid's birthday party. And I can honestly tell you that when I stood up, that is exactly what came to my mind is I've got to plan their birthday party. And then when I, by the time we got out of the hospital and, oh my God, the shots they give you when you get bit by a prostitute are like, then this was back then. They had to give you like needles that were, I don't know, I don't even, the size of my arm, right? They had to hold you down and jam at your hip because they had to kill everything that you could have gotten. And the biggest thing, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of information about HIV back then. We did not know how hard it was actually to transmit it. We didn't know any of that stuff. Um, but um we absolutely knew how hepatitis, we knew how hepatitis was very prevalent. And so I, I got home and then my oldest son, the sweetest, the sweetest little boy you've ever known, sweetest little boy you've ever known, he was trying to help me. And I, so I brushed my teeth and he tried to help me and he picked up my toothbrush to, to put it away. And I screamed at him to drop it's, I mean, look, I'm crying. I screamed at him to drop the toothbrush because it had been in my mouth, right? And I and I don't, I didn't, I did not scream at my children. We that was not the kind of household I had. I did not scream at my babies. And I screamed at him, and he just like, <gasps> and that is why I hate the woman who tried to kill me. <laughs> not because the gun, not because she knocked my tooth out, which is still a mess. Not because, but but because when I got home that night, I screamed at my child. So that's just a really long story to say that we get really fucked up by a lot of things as moms. And we go right, we go right from the streets into our homes. We go right from our streets into our homes, right from our, and, and everybody has to just do it. You have to just do it and make it work. Yeah. So anyway, that was kind of depressing. So yeah, no, that's an incredible story. Um, and I'm sure it's relatable to, to a lot. Um, and I think, I mean, every, whether it's a kid or a spouse, I mean, you kind of, I think everybody hits that point where they realize like, I'm taking this out on them, like unintentionally kind of thing. But throughout your 20 to 30 year career, what do you feel like helped you to recognize that or to like take care of yourself so that you could be healthy for work and healthy for home life? I just experience, unfortunately, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's tough. It's like the mom guilt, right? You know, I have my son who I started the academy with when he was two. He's grown now. He's 27, uh, almost 28. And we don't have the greatest relationship. You know, we talk every once in a while. He and his sister talk. She calls him all the time. Um, but he just is always not always, but a lot of times just kind of seems angry and indifferent. And I think a lot of that had to do with me being young and new on the job and not being able to take the advice that I just gave earlier. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I think we're doing a lot better now as far as awareness with, you know, base, as a, as a, in a profession, I guess. Um, so I think that, and if obviously that question came up, that question wouldn't have come up. Kimberly, right, uh, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, because that would make us seem weak. And then they might notice we're not one of the guys. Right. That was we're a big penis, secret. Right. Don't let anybody know. Right. They seem to have forgotten. If I don't <laughs> mention <laughs> this, this kind of stuff, maybe they won't know. But yeah, that's, sorry. We're being facetious there. But um, yeah, so I think that now 
just being aware and noticing and, and taking stock. And like, like Kimberly said, even that was a, a dramatic thing that happened. And even yelling at her son, like she said, was dramatic for them, for their household. We yell all the time. But uh, for, for that household, it was dramatic, right? So, and she recognized it right away. So I think that that's important that you, when you, and you're going to snap at your kids. Like I said, you're going to fuck up. <laughs> you're going to snap at your kids, even if it's just a bad day from whatever. Um, just to recognize that, hey, this isn't normal. This isn't me. This isn't how I want to be interacting and and try to try to realize that you know it's important to take an assessment of yourself i guess uh that's all i got for that <laughs> it's tough so i am going to say something that i hope that when people hear it that they listen to it with and and, and give me a lot of grace um but then take the same grace and put it towards themselves and that i am saying this as me and I don't, I'm not, not to other women, not a yardstick, not nothing, nothing, but just for me, I realized very early on that I could become totally consumed with my career. I realized that I loved it. I loved it. And there was a lot of money to be made, um, working overtime and extra jobs and stuff like that. But I realized, and I knew that my marriage wasn't going to make it. I knew very, very early in my marriage that it wasn't going to make it. So I made the conscious decision that I would always put my children first. Now, there are people who will say, well, you didn't do that because you promoted to lieutenant. And I promoted to lieutenant very early, very fast, very young. But I always put my children first, always. And I was counseled many times that my career would never go anywhere because I put my children first. Like there were times that some great training came available and I'm like, I can't do it because I take my children to school every morning. And so I can't go to this three week class. And they're like, it's just three weeks. I'm like, it's my children. And my children have to know that I choose them over anything else. Because let's face it, there are times when we don't have a choice. We're on that late call. Or when I would get called in, I got called in to work a lot. Or their stepdad in SWAT gets called in all the time. So my children had to know from an early age that they always came first unless there was absolutely nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. And I was very transparent with that. That mindset also helped me because I will never forget, I didn't have my um, second baby yet. It was just my first baby. And he was barely a year old. And um, I came home and I had been maced with my own mace, actually, to be honest, back when it used to shoot out and come back and hit you. So me and Perry, we were covered in mace and stuff like that. And um, took my uniform off in the garage and came through the house and stuff. Um, the baby was there and I was in the glass shower. And I'm crying because of the water hitting the mace. And, and I'm crying. And my baby's mama, 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 and I couldn't touch him. I couldn't go anywhere near him until I was completely clean. And you know, even at the at the time, I'm like, oh my god, we're all gonna die. This is so awful. But even then, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, every decision you make is to put your child first, and you are putting your child first right now because you cannot touch your child when you're covered in mace. I actually didn't touch my child when I had my uniform on. 
But Jennifer, you know where we worked. Mm -hmm. When we went to work, we, we were really at work. We were in filthy, filthy, filthy homes. We were just dead people and just all kinds of stuff everywhere. But, and I, and I, I don't know if, if it sounds judgmental to y'all, but you, I just had to put my children first. That meant there's some assignments I didn't get. That meant that there were positions I didn't put in for. I you just, I don't regret it. I, so I've been retired now to be four years and a couple of months. So it's, let's say three years, three and three quarters years. I absolutely do not regret at all that I put my children first. I don't. No, I just, it's actually, yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, you know, I think yeah. a lot of if us a decisions to leave yeah. certain things or uh, not promote or not, not about you being lieutenant, but as mm -hmm. far as um, not, not going to certain units or, or leaving certain places and all that, or choosing certain assignments, like you said, because you can't. I mean, you do have to, you, you do have to choose, right? Unfortunately, as a, as a mom, I know, I know some dads do too, but a lot of that's, times it falls on the mom, right? So. But that mom guilt comes in. See, that's the deal right there. Yeah. You know, because think about it. If a guy leaves SWAT for his family, oh my God, he's awesome, uh -huh. right? He is so awesome. Wow. He put his family first. <laughs> yeah. If a woman says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to interview for that position because of my children, like loser, women shouldn't be police, you know, right. yeah. it would never happen if it was a man. <laughs> well, no, it might not happen if it was a man, you know, but, um, but I do want to give credit to the men who also, um, you know, for whatever reason, for their family, for their spouse, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Don't men are okay too. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Every now and then we'll give them credit every now and then. And Whatever. then my husband comes home. If I seem like I'm any different, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like really it's a lot of setting some boundaries, being self-aware, just taking things day by day. I like that, Kimberly, you brought up the boundaries of like always putting your children first because that was going to be another question I was going to ask of like, how do you navigate your career decisions in children? And I think you guys already answered that as far as just always putting the kids first um, and making decisions with them in mind first. But I, I want to clarify that. That does not mean that you don't promote. And that doesn't mean that you don't go for jobs that you really want to go for. I would never tell somebody that. What I would tell somebody is you just want to be, it's, it's give and take. It's give and take. And you might have a way to mitigate that, you know, your child, your relationship with your child and everything else. And your, if you have family that lives nearby and if you're in a supportive marriage and stuff like that, you know, there are there are there's a higher chance of that being successful um, than otherwise. And, you know, you can like my boys, they know like Todd. Had, so one boy played football, one boy was in band. And Todd, back in the day, SWAT had to always work the state fair. So he missed almost all of their football games and all the performances and stuff like that. But he would swing by practice and they would see him. He would ask questions. He would do whatever he could do to be a part of it. And the boys understood that. The boys understood that. So it's about being honest. It's about being transparent. And then, you know, as a family, Cause like my boys, heck yeah, they wanted a stepdad that was in SWAT, right? You know, they love that, right? But they do want you, you know, like at the at the basketball games, even if they're third string, you know, um, when they're up on, you know, 
some of these kids, like when they were younger, they would have literally like one minute and 30 seconds, they were on stage. Mm -hmm. One minute and 30 seconds are on stage. And, you know, and you've left work and you're using vacation time and all this stuff. One minute and 30 seconds is it. But they know you're there. They know you're there. You know, and when I worked deep nights, um, after my divorce, I went to deep nights. So the boys were with their dad or with me and they never went to any other type of care. I would go up to the school and volunteer during the day. I would make copies until they realized I always jammed the copier. But I mean, I, I would do, you know, I would there. I don't, you just, your children have to know that you're there. So I don't want anybody to say, well, I can't promote. That's not what I'm saying. We, you know, we have a fabulous chief in our department who is very present with her children, very present with her children. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. No. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. Um, any final thoughts or anything that you would tell anybody who's maybe a new mom or up and coming in the career, maybe wanting to have kids, um, you know, just any thoughts on navigating their career while simultaneously trying to have kids and, and raise a family and accomplish both things. Yeah. I mean, you could, it, it could be done clearly. It, it, we do it. Um, we don't make it look easy, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the kind of people we are, is it? So, um, and also Dallas is hiring because <laughs> it, honestly, I mean, you know, I started a whole association to address certain issues, so, but I'm, I'm definitely not disgruntled. And like Kimberly said that, um, we have some fantastic, uh, people and policies in place, um, in Dallas for, especially for women and, and hopefully soon we're going to have more. I'm excited. Um, lots of stuff coming up, but, uh, yeah, choose your, if you haven't started yet, choose your department carefully, even if it's not Dallas, it's fine. Uh, choose your department carefully. Uh, research it. Talk to people that work there. Talk to retired female officers if you can. Um, or if it's just all male, just talk to them and, and and see what that is like and see what the policies are. If they have policies, a lot of them don't have any policies for anything. Um, but otherwise, I think it's, it, it, in general, in, in the basic core, a lot of it is just the hours you work and all that, you know, just like most other jobs, um, a, a support system is, I think, necessary, whether you have kids or not um, in this job. But, um, you know, try to make informed decisions uh, when you go into it. This, that's the best. The rest of it's just kind of a crapshoot. I mean, they're going to be fine. <laughs> Most likely, you and your kids are going to be fine. You know, you just got to, if you've got the like the best interest of your kids at the forefront, like Kimberly was saying, um, you know, you do the best you can. You're still going to scrum up, but do the best. You're going to do the best you can, right? Kimberly, anything? So I would say have your babies. Have your babies. For God's sake, have your babies. Don't not have your babies, right? And this is going to be a real shocker here, okay? Because like I'm a military brat and then I had this job for 30 years. But guess what? There's a whole world out there of things you can do besides being a cop. Now, I absolutely want more women to come into police work because I think our world is going to be better with more women in the workforce, right? 
And I think when women um, get better at handling themselves in the workforce, like not always being the victim, knowing when to choose your fight. You know, Jennifer, she chooses more fights than I do. Over the years, we've had many conversations about this. She'll fight, fight them all. <laughs> yeah. She'll fight for things. I'm like, I'm not fighting for that. But I support her doing that. And we need women who will, will do that. We don't need the ones who whine and complain about everything. That's not Jennifer. Jennifer is like, oh, that's a problem. I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to address it, right? Totally. That is two totally different things, right? But let's say that you're trying to have your family and it isn't working in the department you're working. Go get another job. Be like the rest of the world who gets another job. You know, I just, to me, I just don't, I don't know why I never even thought of getting another job. I never even thought of leaving my, I was already like, well, I've already been here seven years. I'm not walking. I've already been here 10 years. I've been 15 years, right? When people come to me, when these officers would come to me and say, I think I'm going to leave. I'm like, are you crazy? You know, but then I would keep that in me. And I would say, well, you know, what's the, what's the issue? Well, it doesn't work for my family. And in my mind, I'm like, well, what's going to work for your family princess, right? But in reality, they were right. It wasn't working for their family. And when I would talk to them, I would just realize this person is doing the absolute right thing. You know, um, when I talk to these officers going towards retirement and they tell me they've hated their job for the last 27 years, I'm like, holy shit, why did you do that job that long? Well, I'm like, the Dallas Police Department is not the only place that pays you an American money. Okay. There are all kinds of other places that you can go and get a job. So to these women who say, I can't do both. Well, if that's what you say, then you can't. You can't. You can't do both. Can you have children and have this career? You absolutely can. You have to think what matters the most to you and what you're willing to fight and what you're willing to give up and what you're not willing to give up. And I don't think we're going to necessarily give up our kids. So that means it's going to have to be something in the workplace, you know, and, but, but make it work for you. That's the biggest thing I would tell people in any situation, make it work for you. Know your rights, know your obligations, but also know what you get out of the deal. You know, if you agree to do this job for X amount of money and you agree to do it for these benefits and you agree to do this, you know, then you've agreed to do it. I'll be honest, when I got my job, I, I never even thought about having children as a police officer. I just had student loans and a car payment that were due. I needed a job, right? And they were paying $27,000 a year back in 1989 when I hired on. Never even thought about having children. Well, guess what? Three years later, I had a baby. So I would definitely say what Jennifer's saying is if you think you're gonna have children, you know, um, and let's let's also be honest about that. We have women who get pregnant who had no intention of having children, no intention of having, never had an, any intention of having children or family, and then they find themselves pregnant. And you know, so the workforce has to be able to accommodate. Maybe maybe like a, instead of a mom friendly workforce, a woman friendly workforce is something that's like, you know. That's actually one of my goals right now um, and how I'm sliding my businesses, my coaching businesses, is I want um, to be very, very female-centric. Whether that woman is going to have children, whether she's going to keep her children, you know, as a family, 
or she never wants to have children. I just, we, we will be a better, and Jennifer, you and I have said this so many times, and Monica, you and I have said this so many times also, we will be a better department, we will be a better profession when we take care of the people that need to be taken care of. Well, and just like when, when we work on things, even uh, I've got some people are like, well, that doesn't affect me. Other women talking about like lactation rooms or childcare, that doesn't affect me. So like, if you're looking for a, if you've got a female friendly uh, or a mom friendly workplace, it's going to be female friendly in every aspect, because that's just how it goes, right? If, if they're willing to do certain things and have certain policies and, and, and fulfill these accommodations with a smile, uh, guess what? You're probably going to have an easier time as a woman, <laughs> even if you don't have kids. So yeah. I'm and sure. Monica, do we have time for one more thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay. To... So, yeah, Jennifer, you were going to be so shocked that I bring this up because this is not something that I've ever been comfortable talking about, but I've really been thinking about it lately and I have, to, you know what it is. No, I'm and, just excited to hear. <laughs> well, because it's nothing to you because this is, I mean, boom, you just say it all the time. I remember when I was younger, I was a nervous wreck when I was on my cycle and patrol. Oh. Because the thought, first of all, there weren't any <laughs> bathrooms, right? There weren't even any clean bathrooms, right? Mm -hmm. So to actually have to take care of a personal situation was horrifying. Yeah. I mean, horrifying. I remember thinking, I just need to spend some vacation time every month so I don't have to go to work when I'm on my period. And then when I got pregnant, I'm like, yes, you know? But then I realized I'm not even going to be in patrol anyway. But I really like how um, the women in the Dallas Police Department, I know some other departments have talked to Jennifer about this, about making our work schedule, making the bathrooms, just making it where we don't have to be scared um, when we're just going through a natural part of our, of our lives. This yeah, is something 30 years ago, not a chance in hell we would have said it. Yeah, groups of us um, in different stations at headquarters and all that, we all kind of, you know, some people as a group, some people just, I don't know, it, it, almost every bathroom is stocked with something, um, an emergency, something or other, if you need it. And I keep Advil <laughs> at, at ours too, because, <laughs> right. Um, I still want, I still think the city should pay for it. Um, I used to be, we, we've got these in every city bathroom, right? We've got these in the women's bathrooms, these, uh, pad and tampon dispensers um, and they've never once been filled I'm talking like this you put the quarters in never once been filled I can't figure out I've been trying to get answers which is why are they there um, now at, at South Central at our station um, I would go to the meetings with our POAC meetings the patrol officer meeting with the chief or whatever and we we got our chief to uh, allocate just the petty cash and had somebody go pick some up. Uh, so we did that for a while. So that was nice, but I still think the city as a whole, they do it at Love Field. If you go to Love Field, the airport, it's free for everybody. And it's what, uh, I, I still don't understand why we can't figure this out. <laughs> but you have to remember, it was just what last year, a couple of years ago that when they were sending a woman into space, <laughs> if everybody <laughs> remembers that story, the story you have to look it up if you don't know it it's hilarious uh, they were sending a woman into space and a bunch of uh, male astronaut engineers whatever they are the rocket people uh were trying to figure out well she's going to be up there like a week 
So maybe maybe we need to spend maybe we need to send her like uh, some some feminine hygiene, which great on them for thinking of that, right? Some fe feminine hygiene stuff in there, like are a hundred tampons enough <laughs> for for weeks? So they gave her a hundred tampons for for one week in space, and I don't I don't think she was even. Would she even carry those? Can you find another know. use for tampons? Jeez, it's hilarious. <laughs> Did I mean, she I don't have to look it up. It was ridiculous, but this is just recently. So, you know, I mean, at least we're talking about it. We got Kimberly Absolutely. to talk about it. <laughs> you got me, it's old woman to talk about it, right? Because I'd be like, what? I'm not talking about that, you know? I yeah, mean, it, but it's a necessity. It's a thing. It is. It absolutely is. And I used to, like, when I worked at headquarters, um, especially because there's no other, I couldn't even find another female around, you know, substations, you can usually people help each other out more it seems like maybe i'm not but i like patrol anyway so but that's where i seem to have an issue when i was in gang unit we would you know i'm this i got this gang unit patch on my back i'm acting all puff and shit and my period would start and and much to my partner's male partner's surprise or other men's surprise it's not exactly on schedule <laughs> i know they think that like they think we know exactly when right I would have to drive to a store, giving you a store in this uniform, bring it up there, take it. And then of course it's always, it's awkward anyway. I mean, people can make it awkward, especially back then. But when you're in uniform, it's super awkward. And then it's like, can I get a bag? <laughs> Please take this. I'd have to drive back to headquarters. So yeah. <sighs> that was um, actually something that we would talk about at the academy. It for the for the female officers of all the places in your uniform that you can oh. secrete some of the stuff that you need, right? About the Pam Star article, I talked to you about that. Yeah, that I think about a lot. She was a huge inspiration for a lot of what I'm doing now. And she was she talked about it. She brought it up like in I don't know, like 2000 or something. I mean, it was a long time and ago. Was ridiculed for it. Wrote an article. Oh my god, I ridiculed her. I was terrible. Let me just say. I did too. I was like, because I was one of those idiots, right? Sorry, young, young officer that didn't quite realize yet that um, I was ridiculous um, and she was right. But, you know, and, and if, if there's a female officer listening now that thinks that <laughs> that way, um, give it time because yeah, that's, right? that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, you're going to, you're going to grow out of that. Uh, and I'm glad I did. It's embarrassing, but I have to admit, I was one of those, I think they call them pick me girls. These, <laughs> that's what my daughter calls people like that. I don't know really what that means, urban dictionary or something, but something <laughs> like basically like you think that you're, you can't be a part of the sisterhood because that separates you. So you, but you're not really a part of the brotherhood either. I mean, you're not. Because a, you don't have the penis. Right. You need a penis to be the brother as far as that goes, right? You're not one of the guys, but if you say that, you're part of the sisterhood does that they're gonna know you're a girl <laughs> so you gotta be careful yeah so it's a whole thing it's a whole thing and hopefully um most people start figuring that out earlier than i did but anyway yeah so credit to pam star uh for for doing being the trailblazer absolutely absolutely you know years and years i mean like oh my gosh i bet this would be 27 years ago um, it was at the new academy 
Um, and they were having a women's meeting and it was third watch. And well, I worked third watch, so surely I was gonna be able to get there. Well, when you work Southwest, you don't ever get to do anything because you're busy the whole entire night, which was awesome. But um, so I get to the meeting and okay, I'm not proud of this, but I get to the meeting, it's over and the girls are coming out and I'm like, oh my God, you know, what did y'all discuss? And they're like, well, they made a vote if we could wear stud earrings. And I'm like, you fucking kidding me. My uniform doesn't fit me and we're voting on stud earrings. If we can wear stud earrings with our uniforms. And what I'm embarrassed of is how disrespectful I was of something that mattered to somebody else. That's what I'm embarrassed of. Um, I still feel the same. I, I don't think we need to be wearing earrings with our uniforms. I don't think we need to have long fingernail. I don't think, anyway, you can't search anybody for dope when you got these inch long fingernails. You're not going to find the crack rock in their pocket. You're just not going to find it. How are you going to find it? I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my soapbox. But anyway, okay, so now you know how I feel. But the problem that I felt then was I was disrespectful to women who really were trying to do something for the rest of us. And we have to remember, if I had been on five years, these women had already been on 15 and 20 years. That was a huge thing for them. That was a huge thing for them. And Jennifer, like you said, we're these young badasses, right? I mean, we're bailing out of cars and catching men in foot chases, right? Right. I mean, so we don't need to be worried about any of this girl stuff. So I, I'm actually very embarrassed about how um, I was potentially disrespectful to these women who were actually coming before me and were being the trailblazers. And honestly, if you think about it, can you imagine if they didn't do that stuff? No. Where we'd be right now, right? We'd, still, I mean, we'd every, still be trying to get pants that fit. Right. Exactly. Every little bit, you know, it's 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 an interesting perspective. Yeah. You joke, you joke yeah. about stashing yeah, tampons. Been... I joke about my tactical tampons in my vest. But you know, oh every once in a while, it shows some compassion when you arrest a female because I'd throw in a regular tampon at them yeah. instead of the cardboard shit they get in the jail and they would thank me for it as I pull it yeah. out of my vest. Oh, yeah. Throw it at them. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. When you, at the end of a foot chase, you know, everyone's checking for their backup weapon and stuff like that. And the women are checking to make sure we didn't lose our supplies. Oh, I did that not just a few years ago on a call. Luckily, it was an old guy, an old officer that was covering me. Didn't even know what it was. I reached in my pocket for something and pulled out. I had, you know, the the pockets on the side. There's a lot of stuff you can put in there and a, out comes a tampon and falls down. And I just went, oh, <laughs> reached up, picked it up. He looked at it. And I was like, I don't know. He probably thought it was candy or something. But, but yeah. Jennifer. Jennifer, were you in detail when I pulled out my whip out book that one time that Todd had set up? That was not, okay, no, that was not detail. Listen to that. This is, this is worth, this is worth, I was thinking of that too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Detail. This was a community meeting. Oh yeah. The whole community was there and we were in community policing. She was my Lieutenant and uh, I was a troop and you were an were excellent troop. Well, you're, an excellent you're an excellent lieutenant. Stop. Thank you. <laughs> so we're in this meeting and I'm sitting next to her talking and it was a huge meeting too, because we were in the detail room. That's why you thought that it's a huge meeting too, because we were about to change the name. That was when they were first talking about changing the name from interactive community policing to neighborhood policing and people were flipping out. You think cops don't oh, yeah. like change. No. Uh, neighborhood watches don't like change. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all these people in there and she's like, 
and somebody's like, well, Lieutenant, I have a problem with this and this. And she's like, pretending, pretend, no, she didn't care. <laughs> she's like, well, let me get this information. Even though now that I look back on it, the troops sitting next to you probably should have done that, but I'm just like, what <laughs> so she, she pulls out her, her, we call them whip out pads, a little notebook out of her pocket and out flies a condom. Yeah. And the reason I remember that is because this is where I became the good troop. I stepped on it immediately. It flew out. The lady didn't see it. The old lady that she was talking to, I, just, I put my foot on it and we, and she's trying to keep a straight face. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I just know I need to cover it. So. And, and then it, her story is <laughs> it's true. God like to play pranks on her. It's like, I don't know. Uh, we we still haven't talked to Todd about that though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me tell you something. So this is what he would do. Like, so we, I don't even think we were married yet. I think, I don't know. Anyway, he, I was like getting to the point where I was like scared to go to work in my uniform because I didn't know what he did to it. So like, cause you know, you pull out a whip out book. Yeah. Condom falls on the floor. <laughs> I'm traumatized by this, right? So I, I used, I still actually use whip out books. I thought I had one in here. So imagine opening up Imagine opening up your whip out book, right? Do like this. Because what I did, I would write it, then I would fold the page over. So as soon as I opened it up, I had a clean page, right? But I always kept all my notes. He would draw penises with faces on them. <laughs> like this little penis waving at you. And I would like open up my whip out book and people would go, oh. So now I, I got to where I would get to work and I would have to search all my stuff to make sure that my husband didn't draw smiley penises on it or didn't stick condoms in it or he put my he put my badge on my uniform upside down one time yeah changed my epaulets one time on my uniform <laughs> and you know my guys wouldn't tell me this they wouldn't say oh lieutenant you know blah 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 like one time I walked this is totally my fault I had this super cute little outfit on and we, I just went right to work from being out and I had these beautiful dangly earrings that were pink and green. And I'm walking around in my uniform with dangly earrings. Trust me, everybody knows how I felt about earrings and uniform. And I got these long dangly things that are like hitting my uniform. It was like 30 minutes before I realized I had earrings on. <laughs> oh my God. We need to do another episode of just stories. Right? <laughs> People would love just the stories. Uh, yeah, we got we got to get together first to make sure we don't tell some of the stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, how can people find you if uh, they have questions about anything related to it's say the say the organization because I don't want to jumble the words. That's okay. Uh, Dallas Police Women's Association. Okay. Um, you could email um if. My name, you, if people don't know me, it's hard to Jennifer Atherton at dpdwomen.org, or if you just remember info at dpdwomen.org, that goes to me as well. And also, there's a website with the same dpdwomen.org. Okay. So, for anybody listening to this, um, Jennifer could be a resource to individuals, but she could be a resource also just to the officers, members of the department civilian women in a department she's a resource for them also but you know what let's be totally honest it isn't just women that are changing the face of police work it's the men also men are very very important to change and growth and um knowledge sharing think, and stuff like that 
didn't we all didn't we already cover that some men are okay i'm just some are okay I'm, I'm joking i'm joking go ahead every You're now right. and then right. absolutely but, right. yeah so she's quite the resource for that and she's pretty darn scrappy so if she doesn't <laughs> have an answer or whatever we'll be entertained one and if you have a problem she might realize that we have that problem too and then that problem will get solved yes <laughs> we're trying trying <laughs> Kimberly, where can women reach out to you if they would like help with your services? Um, so probably the best way to get a hold of me is um, either through email or on Facebook Messenger. So email, it would be retire, the word retire, strat, S-T-R-A-T, 6138 at gmail.com. Or they could just find me as Kimberly Stratman on Facebook. That's probably the easiest way. Those are the two ways right there. Okay. And you offer life coaching for women? So yes, um, I do life coaching. My biggest thing is to believe it or not, get women to understand that they are worth um, fighting for and when and how they want to proceed either to be content where they are or to reach their next goal. And then, um, and that's mostly women. And then I uh, help males and females, individuals and couples, uh, set their life up now for retirement, not the financial aspects of it, but the life aspects of it. Live today like you're going to have a retirement. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for spending the evening with me and, and telling some fun stories and, and helping out some other women um, with their careers. Um, hopefully this was helpful and I will be sure to link everybody's contact info down below so they can get a hold of you if they have any other questions. So thank you awesome. all. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, rate, and comment below your thoughts. And also, if you have any other questions or topics you would like to be discussed on the podcast this year, please comment below. Let me know what that is so that I can better serve you. And hopefully I can find professionals who can speak on those topics to best help you out um, in any aspect of life or career that has to do with you being a first responder. Stay safe out there. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.